Good morning and welcome to the DFW Business Podcast. I'm Aaron Spatz. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you haven't had a chance to do so already, go ahead and follow, like, subscribe, all those social actions to so that you are aware and tracking on all the latest and greatest episodes and things that we're doing here at the DFW Business Podcast. Also have another show called the Veterans Business Podcast. Very, very similar format. The, the only difference is we have military veterans from across the country and we kind of explore their military journey and in addition to the, their business pursuits and all the different things they have going on. So really, really excited this morning to get to sit down and talk with Eric Zarco. Eric is a uh, has been in the DFW area for quite some time, but he's uh, he's currently the a, a account executive at Iconic IT, but he's also a, a chairperson of the DFW Nonprofit Resource Group. And so really excited to talk with him about all that group is doing. And so, Eric, I'm just uh, so thankful. Thank you so much for uh, being, being with me this morning. Good morning, Aaron. Awesome. Yeah. So, so it, it, I, I always love to start with the question, you know, where, where are you originally from? Are you, are you DFW native? Did you, did you get here from, from some other path? Uh, well, I was, uh, what was called a Verizon Knight back in the day. And I uh, worked for what's now Verizon for about 12 years. Okay. And my wife and I were both from the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. And they moved us uh, all across the country. We were nomads and uh, firstborn was born in El Paso. And we moved to the Metroplex here about a month after the tornado hit Fort Worth. Um, that was about 20 years ago, 21 years ago. And, uh, and it's been home since. Wow. Well, that's awesome. That's a, uh, that, that's, that's quite a state. And that's quite a move from, from El Paso to DFW. Well, we went. Pittsburgh, Minneapolis, Austin, Albuquerque, El Paso, Fort Worth. Holy cow, man! That's that. That is quite the journey. Beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> that's super cool. Well, you know, we 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 live in and you know a very very beautiful country, very amazing country, and there's so many different things to see. And like I tell people, I mean every every area of the United States just has has its own beauty, has its own charm, and it just it really is all about you know whatever it is that you're into, you know, so it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And then I'm going to, um, then I'm going to date myself that, um, uh, I was with Verizon. It's now Verizon for about 12 years. And I was a part of the first commercial sales group that sold cellular phones to businesses. And, um, uh, and the younger people that, you know, I tell this story, they're, their jaw just hits the floor that I tell them that my competition then was a stack of quarters that I would go in and I'll talk to these presidents of these companies and Hey, you need cell phones. They'll be like, no, I don't. They pull out a stack of quarters. It's amazing. <laughs> so technology has come so far and that's been about 30 years ago. So yeah. in a 30 year window, those discussions no longer happen. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy to think about because there's you know, like I mean I again I'm I'm trying not to date myself here but you know I mean but you'd see I mean you'd see phone yeah, yeah, all of what's up where it yeah 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 but no like you I mean you'd see phone booths like I mean every yeah. I don't it probably wasn't every block but it was like every so often right there was always there's always it, sometimes there'd be a little cluster of them. And then like you'd go to like, you go to the mall, right? There's like a big old row of, of, um, of, 
pay phones there. And so it's just, it's fun. Shoot. There's even a movie. Um, it was, it, was, it was like a hostage movie or something. It was, it was called <laughs> phone booth. Right. Yeah. It's like people, people, people watch that today. Be like, what the crap is that man? Like, why would you be in this little like clear box? <laughs> I, uh, um, a few years ago, I went into a, um, in, you know, to a school for like a career day <clears throat> and, and I brought in a phone book and, and there's a bunch of like fifth and sixth graders. And I asked them, so what is this? What was this to me? Uh, and, and they knew what the phone book was, but whenever I started to say, whenever I was your age, this was Uber, this was Google, this was everything. <laughs> yep. yep. And then, well, and then like, you know, like as a kid, understand the difference between the yellow pages and the white pages. Right. And like, oh, you know, yeah. like looking people up, looking businesses up. That's, that's insane. Yeah. So like that's, and that's, it's an interesting thing to talk about because the nature of what you've done over, you know, over your career, just, you know, just from what I've gathered, just in, in my initial research of you has been, I mean, you've done a lot, a lot of business development sales, whatever you'd like to label it. So that has, that has no doubt impacted the way that you do business development. Right. And so like what, how, like how has technology affected the way in like in a way that you're able to leverage and harness new technology and things as to make you more effective well we're we're on one right now that you know it's it's the uh, the platforms that are out there but i'd like to say that as technology continues to advance we as humans need to still have the relationship and experience that's running parallel um I, I would love to be doing this in person in your studio, but hey, you know, we're still making new friends. We're still using this platform and uh, and there's not one sliver of technology. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then I'm thinking back to your cell phone story. I mean, like, I, and I remember when those when those suckers were like huge, man, I mean, they were like, they, they were not these little thin, you know, iPhones and and Samsung phones that we have today. I mean, they were substantial and then you had pagers and you had other, uh, other tools that people would use. Right. So it's just, it's been, it was was something like 300 bucks a month for a phone and you got like 12 minutes talk time. (laughs) Same. That's insane. Wow. Wow. Well, well, take us take us through a little bit before before we cover the nonprofit stuff. I, I really would like to spend a little bit of time talking with you just about some of your sales journey and some of the things that you've learned along the way, and kind of what what like what are some things that you feel like sales sales professionals need to understand when it comes to just being as as effective as possible. And I thought I think you raised a, a pretty good point there when you're talking about you know you've got to leverage technology and and you know, whatever that happens to be for that given mm-hmm. year or time. But then there's also a lot of work that has to be done on the personal side. And so like, how, how have you managed that as, as, as things have changed? Uh, this, so I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm 49. So I'm going to date myself. So, so I was part of the uh, Verizon team that whenever we went into a new market, um, through, uh, buying somebody or it was just a new market we put up the billboards and it was my job to hire about 20 30 sales reps and just saturate the market 
Um, looking back at that, I, I, I worked at Verizon plant and I worked it well. Um, my strategy, my thought started to pivot once I was in New Mexico. So um, I'm in New Mexico for about two years. Um, I have some friends and we're playing a pickup uh, game of volleyball. And, and I sense that they're accepting me into their clique at arm's length. So we started to talk about it. They're like, Eric, man, we're just a chapter in your book. I'm like, what are you talking about that? They're like, you're going to be gone in like six months. And that started to change the way that I thought about relationships. And this was before Facebook and before, I don't even think MySpace was out. Uh, so, so that really resonated. I'm like, hmm. um, so for the past 15, 20 years, I've really been focused on transparent, true relationships, um, centers of influence. How can I help somebody four times quicker as they can help me? Um, so that's kind of where it's at right now is, is I'm on a mission to help more people than I've ever helped before because I have in my mind some grind to make up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, like, that's a great, that's a great contrast. I think in, in a way that a lot of sales teams or, or, or even just individual salespeople handle things, right. Is like, there's, there's the churn, there's the you know, transactional based relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Where there's, there's like, there's no relationship whatsoever. It's simply, I've got this, I, you've got what I want. Let's make it happen. Or, or, you know, you're, you're the, you're the lowest bidder and done, right? There's really nothing there. And then there, and then there's other, there's other industries and other products and services that are like 100% based on relationships. And, you know, you may not be the cheapest guy or or the most expensive guy in town, but because of the relationship, they're they're willing to do business with you. And I, I think it kind of, uh, to be fair, I I do think it kind of depends on what it is you're doing. But by and large, though, I do think that like relationship based thing. It, I mean, like life is based on relationships, right? Mm -hmm. It's like it's all about it's all about leveraging those and but not leveraging them for the sake of the relationship. But the point that you made a second ago, and I'd like I like to dig into that, which is opportunities to help people right so you're so you're identifying I'm, I'm paraphrasing what i what i think is where we're heading and you can correct me but you're you have basically identified who your target audience is your target market and then you're simply just going to see who it is that i can help who it is i can build relationships with is that is that generally right or um it's it's yes and it's um the the net gets Okay. It's wider. Uh, you're now in that circle. So I'm going to help as much as I can try to help you get your next guest in, introduce you to different people. Uh, and it's not just the client or the potential client. Um, the group that I chair, we have about 90 people here in DFW in on this group and another dozen in Kansas. So that's just, and once we talk about that, that would make more sense. Uh, sure. But I, I uh, you had a, a friend of mine on a few weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, uh, TK Clinton. And for those that haven't read his book. There it is. Um, Stop winning, start winning. 
there's a couple chapters in there that talk about laws of attraction. And, and, um, and I read that book about three years ago and that really cemented some uh, thoughts and the way that I engage with people, the way that uh, we are all here for a reason and we have to find that unique reason. And I think I have, and I feel confident that I have mine. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, then let's let, let, let's go ahead and shift gears. And I'm I'm more than happy to jump into uh, to nonprofit resource groups. So take, you know, help us help us understand what what the organization does. And yeah, yeah. Just give us a quick overview. Uh, so the uh, professionally, I work for an outsourced IT company, um, and here in town, DFW, we have about 150 managed clients. And our typical client size is about 40 full-time employees. So whenever a client hires us, we are their technical department, leadership strategy, the whole night. Um, about 20, 25% of our clients are the um, local nonprofits. So the one thing that uh, all of our clients have in common, we have such a dynamic relationship is they like to point the finger at us if there's not enough parking, if the commodes don't work, if the coffee machine doesn't work, somehow they always connect it to technology is broken. Uh, it's crazy. Whenever we tilt the lens on <clears throat> uh, our nonprofit partners, they're the first ones to ask. Hey, do you know somebody that could pay the parking lot? Hey, do you know a commercial plumber? Hey, do you know? And they're the first ones to ask for things. It was about three, four years ago that I had um, this question that I went to the founder of our company and said, Hey, Jeff, um, is our book of business like mission friendly? Like our Rolodex, if you will. Um, <clears throat> And he goes, no, these are just people that I've met through the years, and some of them have become paid clients. So if somebody calls us looking for a plumber, we look through the book of business. And then I asked him, I was like, hey, I just, do you think it would make sense if we <clears throat> create like a mission-friendly one? That the next time the nonprofit down the street calls us with a problem, we can go, hey, we got a mission-friendly partner of ours. Um, he told us, told me that we shouldn't be talking about this. I should go out on a roadshow and go visit all of our nonprofit clients and start to paint this vision. At the time, <clears throat> I didn't know what it was going to look like. And four years later, I still don't know what it's going to look like. And that's the beautiful, unintentional success, I guess, if we want to call it that. Um, that I started on this roadshow and they were giving me their banker. They were giving me their accounting firm. They're like, yeah, I mean, I've been um, in the mission. These, uh, these guys are a really good partner of the mission. So fast forward, um, we now have about 90 folks that fit that mold, that were all mission-minded professionals and we have a proven resume in the nonprofit space. Warmly around town, we've been referred to as the Angie's List for nonprofits. Okay. Um, it's pretty incredible. Just yesterday, um, and, I, and I marvel, I marvel that I get, to, you know, people look at me like, what, parking, what, and commodes, and this and that. Uh, 
yesterday, one of our clients reached out to me, hey, Eric, do you have somebody in on your group that does business commercial window tinting? Who, so, so that resonates to these nonprofits aren't afraid to ask their trusted circle. Um, so, so here we are in the beginning. Um, I get a handful of names. Uh, we're meeting at Starbucks. We start to grow. We get about a dozen people and we shifted that whoever had brick and mortar would host our monthly meeting. And, uh, and I staged it perfectly. That it was my turn to host. We just moved into this office, and uh, a day before the meeting, it hits me like a frying pan that the artwork's not up in the office, the furniture's not put together, and I'm starting to freak out. About to reach out to somebody in the group to pick up my uh, slot, and um, one of those nonprofits call me with an ask. But she senses I'm not my normal self. And she gets it out of me. And uh, she goes, oh, my God, Eric, I'm like three miles away. Don't sweat it. Change the address. About how many people? At this time, we have 25 people. So I'm like, about 25 people. She goes, okay, I'll put you up in this conference room. Thank you. Uh, A couple days go by. We're on site at this nonprofit in the conference room. Starting off the meeting. And I see the CEO, my friend, walk past the conference room. And I'm like, hey. Get in here. I pull her in and I asked her, while you're here, share with the group what you guys do for the community. And her eyeballs like got like Wiley Coyote and she took the podium and she was uh, beautiful to see that, but I still didn't understand why her eyes got so big. Uh, she leaves, we wrap up the meeting and she tracks me down in the parking lot and uh, she grabs my arm. And she looks at my soul and says, Eric, never have your meeting within your group. Every nonprofit in town would die to have the platform that you just gave me. That I got to explain in thorough our nonprofit, the various programs that we offer the community. And I was speaking to all the ears that need to hear it. I go to different chamber meetings and I go around town and I get up on the podium and there might be one to 2% of the people that I talk to that really need to hear it. You just gave me the platform to 25. Okay. Makes sense. Um, all in. So we were, as a group, uh, we would reach out to our different clients. Hey, you want to host? Hey, you want to host? So we were going along pretty well. The pandemic uh, hit. And uh, at the time, we had a junior in college and a junior in high school, and they asked me, hey, Dad, do you want us to help you create this website for your group? And I'm like, what? Never dawned on me to have a website. Uh, and I reached out to the group, and the group was like, yeah, that would be great, because it's so hard for us to explain what the group does, you know, yeah. the website. All right. Um, but they all asked to have some type of host tab because a lot of people want to host and i'm like really uh, okay i didn't think of that um <clears throat> the website went live june july of 2020 and by the end of august we were our schedule was full through the end of 2022 holy cow so so that uh, resonates 
and goes right back to that parking lot conversation that I had with the nonprofit saying, Eric, you have something of incredible value for the local nonprofits. Um, and, and I hear some incredible things, Aaron, that I try to have a post host meeting. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm starting to share the social media love with the prior month's host saying, Oh, I put something on LinkedIn. You got nine, 900 views. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Uh, but I also hear that they found a new board member within the group. They have found uh, new creative fundraising concepts through the group. They have found a new company to come down and help with a particular drive. And volunteers are really hard to come by now. That, that you know, the pandemic sent most of their volunteers home because they were at risk age. So never would have thought this Angie's list of nonprofits for nonprofits would evolve to that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and in the beginning of our journey, of the group's journey, a friend reaches out to me and says, hey, I got a friend that owns a uh, warehouse and he has a hard time getting rid of some of this food. This is two and a half, three years ago. I'm like, Oh, okay, maybe God's winking at me. I got to do something. So, um, so I call his friend. I go up to the warehouse, and it was 17 pallets of food, about 12 feet high. And he goes, "So, what do I do with this?" I'm like, "Man, you can call the 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 area food bank. They'll come up here with a semi and take it off your hands like that, um, or try to find a way to get it into the local pantries that shop at the food bank." pennies on the dollar but you could still help that local nonprofit save a few hundred bucks in groceries Uh, and he he pretty much slapped me on the shoulder and says thanks for doing that he walks away Uh, okay so what the heck am I going to do with this (laughs) I mean I'm not a food I'm not warehouse logistics so I take a couple pictures drop it into the group and within a couple days it's all gone Wow. Um, give it about six, seven weeks. He calls me up again. He goes, I got more. Another eight weeks. I got more. That family has called me about two dozen times. I got more. And, uh, and it has evolved from food, clothing, books, toys, furniture, um, come to um, as my relationship with him uh, developed his family has always struggled with getting connected with the right resource to help with their charity arm that for years they've been taken advantage of that somebody would go up says oh yeah I'll get that to the nonprofit and then then they will find out that they're selling it online and dollars are going back Uh, and and I also would never have thought that I'm providing a service to a family that owns a warehouse that we now know what we're doing with the surplus so we can get it out within a day. Yeah. And once that's removed, this business can now charge real estate for that area. Uh, and, and, and I kind of, that's, that's very unique in my mind. I'm like, 
wow, okay, cool. Uh, so here it is, four years, you know, we're doing all this stuff that we're connected with the the at-home furnishing store. Okay. Tempur-Pedic mattress, a uh, little bit with Kroger, and the family that owns a distribution center. So I, you know, whenever I asked Jeff four years ago, hey, would it make sense if we have a book of business, <laughs> you know, with mission-friendly partners? Never would have thought that we were there. Uh, That's incredible. And uh, and another friend of mine, uh, Mark Casper, that I'm going to introduce you to for your veteran podcast, he runs Tech for Troops. Okay. Now in Virginia, originally from San Antonio, he wants to make DFW his second home. And I got him connected with TK's celebrity softball game. Uh, and and uh, presently, the group, DFW, the nonprofit resource group, is helping Tech for Troops collect 100 used laptops. We've got about 60 right now. So um, those that are listening, if you have any used laptops laying around in the closet at home, uh, please reach out to me, and we will do the total cleansing and and then provide you a tax donation form. That's amazing. Yeah, that's so it's so cool to hear like hear the story of just how how it all got started. And it's just it's it's such like it's such the cla- it's like the classic growth story, right? It's like, hey, we're not not really sure what what's gonna happen here. And so it just kind of slowly starts to kind of go here. I mean, you have an idea, you have a vision for where you'd like things to go, but like but it kind of morphs and, and evolves and grows and you get more people bought into and then like really, really connected to, to the purpose of it all. I mean, cause you're, you're, you're doing something that, that is really meaningful and, and it, it's, it's, it's obvious, right? If you're in the nonprofit space, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to connect sometimes with these different resources. And so having somebody who's already kind of, kind of vetted them, but uh, you know, can, can help just make a, make a nice referral and then next thing you know i mean you got you guys are just growing i mean that's a really it's a really re- remarkable story uh thanks aaron uh i i look at the group and i look what i do for iconic and it takes me back about 15 years and i'm in the the corporate climbing the ladder at verizon and uh and there was a lot of people that would be frustrated with me because I didn't uh, think in the box. And I finally found that mentor. We all need a mentor or mentors. We need to surround ourselves. With that rise and I finally get get that mentor that, that, uh, that they explained to me. They're like, Eric, there are some people that get paid to think in the box. Then there are people that get paid to think out of the box. Sometimes they have a hard time. Where you come in is you don't even have a dang box. <laughs> so, so, so with this group, that's, that's, that's it is there is no box. Um, and, and here soon we're going to have another chapter in Colorado. Uh, and, and it's where, People are hearing about the group. Uh, whenever I took a trip up to Kansas, that community, they already had it. 
Okay. It was such a small knit community, but they didn't have any systems and processes sure. of pulling these folks together. So I, I think our nation wants more of it to think bigger because last year uh, there's a lot of one words that could describe 2020, but the words that I'm hearing is compassion, love. We need more. We need, uh, and, and, and our frontline workers, we all know who they are. You know, the, the public service people last year, the nonprofits kind of rose and wore the cape in the public eye that the nonprofits that used to serve 150 people a month were serving 600 people a month. They never had the chance to go home and work remote. They were out there every day. It was amazing to see. A lot of news media, they covered it, help exposure, but there's now a sense of the communities wanting to help them more. Yeah. Help the nonprofits more. And I guess I was just three years in into it and I got this little DFW nonprofit resource group that does it. <laughs> In our unique way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's just, it's really neat. And it's like, it, it's kind of to your point, it, a lot of this probably does happen already, right? Like you've got people that are networked, they're friends, yeah. you know, a, a lot of the, le- a lot of the leadership teams of not of various nonprofits know each other across town. And, and so like, there's a, a lot of times people can be like, Hey man, I need to like, do you know a handyman? Like who, comes by your place and like helps change out lights and you know fix plumbing issues and they you know they may or may not have somebody right but it's like you're able to kind of come in and and collectively kind of kind of pull this together and um and and really just provide some leadership and some organization to it and so as that goes out now it's like okay so you mentioned expanding out to kansas right and then you're going out to colorado now and so like what, how, like, how are you helping them get organized? Is it just a matter of just getting some basic systems in place? Um, it is finding the right people to be on the bus that the driver of the bus doesn't even know where the bus is going. So what I have found is if you're in the space, meaning if you are a professional that has several years of providing your services to the nonprofits, you are in the space. So whenever you see this bus pull up, that hey, you're jumping on the bus. So there is no systematical process or anything. It's conversations and the conversations happen with um, Canton will take Kansas for an example. Um, I talked to my counterpart up there for Iconic and said, hey, uh, why don't you set up some meetings with your nonprofit clients? Okay. Went in, repeated the story, walked away with the banker, walked away with the lawyer, walked away with an accountant. Um, and that seems to be like the first three that we always start with too. <laughs> uh, that, that, that if you think about the relationship that a nonprofit has with the banker, that's pretty dang strong. Yeah. And, and, and that banker, more than likely works for a bank, not just the person, but the bank is mission friendly. And and whenever the employee 
whenever there are the individuals within the different chapters of the group that work for a company that's mission friendly. It's, it's poetry. Yeah. Uh, well, I like, a, I'm, I'm going to ask you a really obvious question and, and like, and I know we've probably covered it, but when you, when you're when you're using the term mission friendly, right. Yeah. It, you're, you're talking about, because I just want to make sure anyone who's listening to this or watch this, it, it doesn't have any confusion whatsoever mm -hmm. about, about this. So when you're, when you're talking mission friendly, you're talking about organizations, people that, that can support nonprofits and, and whatever their, whatever some of the basic functions are needs that they have, but they, but they're also, you know, friendly, you know, mission friendly, they, meaning they, they, they believe in the organization or they, like you, you or so, like somebody has vetted them as being like somebody that you would refer them to, right? Is that? Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that each person in the group, they would have their various 10 point inspection. You know? yeah. Hey, this, 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 um, you summed it up. Well, what, what I find in the space is, uh, there are a lot of wolves in cheap clothing. Okay. That a nonprofit can be taken advantage of by a new business partner, giving them a few thousand bucks for the golf tournament. That business partner makes them sign some type of contractual agreement, two, three years. And after that check leaves for the golf tournament, that contract, that life of that contract, there's no glimpses of them being mission friendly. Um, and mission friendly does, you know, have the components of, do you believe in the mission? Does your company have a charity arm? Do your employees volunteer at your clients? Do do you help that nonprofit gain additional revenue streams by being creative? Can you help promote that nonprofit? And along the way, okay, there's a golf tournament for them, a few thousand bucks, you know, but it all starts to make a snowball to say during the relationship of, and, you know, well, I'll, I'll back up some of our relationships with our nonprofits paid clients go back 12 years. So, so, so if you magnify what it means to be mission friendly through a 12 year relationship, it's incredible. It's not that transactional, like you mentioned, the transactional sale. That, yeah, right. Hey, you buy this and I'll give you a one pound <laughs> fee for your golf tournament. Uh, and there are people around town that do that really, really well. It's, it's just within the group that I put together, most of us are at that consultative level. Yep. The bankers, the lawyers, the strategic advisors, and we have some people that are transactional that are still mission friendly. There's a lady that's in the group that owns a corporate furniture company. Her stuff would never go to the nonprofits, but what she uses the group for is a conduit that whenever her corporate client wants to buy some new furniture, she drops that corporate client's name into the group because she told that corporate client that, Hey, I can find a way that you can donate your old furniture to, to a local charity. So that helps the lady that owns the furniture company 
I guess, process her transaction faster because her corporate client knows that the moment that she signs on for the new furniture, there's a mechanism in place to get rid of the old furniture and it has a charity write-off. Yeah. I think I know who you're talking about too. She's a friend of mine. Uh, Uh, Jeannie? Yeah. (laughs) Jeannie Norris. Yeah. Um, It would would mean the world to to me that you send her a kind note. Text, email, just a kind note saying, hey, you're in my thoughts and prayers. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So why don't we wrap up with that, man? Why don't we all reach out to somebody and just go, you know what? You need some love, man. You need some. So, yeah. So. Yeah. No, no, that's awesome. I mean, how, so I've got the website. I've been, I've been, I've been peeking at the website from time to time to get, to pull more information out of this, but the, um, the, the website DF, is DFW nonprofit resource group.com. Yeah. It's a mouthful. Uh, no, it, it's, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to throw it up on the screen here in just a second, but, but Eric, you know, how can people, how can people get involved? Like if, if I'm listening or watching this today and I'm like, Oh man, like this is a really, really amazing organization. How, how does somebody contribute? Uh, they can go on the website, send me a note, uh, find me on LinkedIn. Okay. Send me a note. There are some weeks that that's what I feel that I could, like I do all week is, is talk to different people that want to be a part of the and, and my position with the group is making sure that the right people get on the bus. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Well, I mean, I, you know, love the work that you're doing. It's a very, it's a very unique thing that you're doing. And it's, it's obviously a, you know, of, of immense value added to people. And so it's real, it's just, I'm so excited for you. I guess what I'm trying to say is like being able to see, see how it's growing and I'm just I'm appreciative for people like you and 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 the in the organization that you've been able to put together because it's it really is making an impact and you know nonprofits all you know a lot of them not all of them but a lot of them operate on you know shoestring budgets their budgets are mm-hmm. highly scrutinized on their you know on their operating costs and so it, a lot of it is like hey how do we help each other out how do we how do we make how do we make this this dream happen. And how do we keep moving forward? And so I think it's I think it's remarkable the work that you're doing. So thank you, Th- thank you for all that you're doing with that. I appreciate that, Aaron. It's um, there's there's um, there's a word that in 2019 you could say without getting booked uh, at sideways, but I want to bring it back. And that word is contagious. That yeah. <laughs> you know the group is contagious. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great word, man. <laughs> Uh, and and, uh, you know and why not surround yourself on a daily basis with positively contagious people Um, and I started with like the laws of attraction and and that's the chapter in TK's book laws of attraction awesome and uh, yeah and you know the group is the group is something special Uh, yeah then we're not done yet and yeah. I don't know what the end looks like. There is no end. Sure. Sure. Well, you well, you know, really, really dang proud and excited to see, like just see seeing people just doing such great and amazing work. And so for those watching listening, 
get connected to Eric, get, get, get a better understanding and, and reach out and see how it is that you can help and, uh, and go through that process. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll have links up to the books to, you know, to the, all the different things we've talked about. I'll, I'll make sure those are included here, but Eric, I, I just, I just want to thank you so much. Thanks for uh, spending some time with me uh, early on this Tuesday morning. It's been a, been a sincere pleasure, sir. Thank you. All right, Aaron, man, my friend. See you later. All right, man. Thanks.